I don't think I've seen this extreme of a reaction from the left since Donald Trump won the presidency in 2016. And of course, I'm talking about how the left is responding to Elon Musk buying Twitter. They are absolutely, they're going bananas. They're going bonkers. This is, this is like 10 out of 10 paranoia. This is desperation to the extreme here. And Elon Musk actually tweeted about this because in, in the wake, in the 24 hours after he announced or after Twitter announced their board had accepted his offer, the leftist blue check marks on Twitter acted like this was the end of the world. And Elon tweeted, the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. And this is why I'm so excited that Elon Musk is buying Twitter. I know he's not a conservative. I don't know if he'll be able to buck the whole system, meaning I don't know if the deep state and the democratic apparatus will be able to prevent him from being successful in transforming or restoring Twitter into a platform for free speech. But I think if there's any single person in this country who's in a position to do that right now, it's him because of this understanding, that he understands that the left is panicked. They're panicked because... They actually are afraid, not just of a disagreement with us, right? It would, it would almost make more sense if it was this argument. Take let's, let's use an actual concrete example here. Let's take abortion. If a pro-abortion activist and me were engaged in a heated debate and the pro-abortion activist wanted to shut me down, that would almost make more sense to me because it's, it's, it's about a, a highly polarizing, highly emotional, specific topic. But what's crazy about the left's freak out about, about Twitter and free speech on Twitter is it's not about one single issue or one single policy or one single aspect of politics. It's everything. They are freaking out just based on the fact that you and I might be able to say whatever it is that we want to say and that they won't be able to control us by stopping us from saying what it is that we want to say. And this, my friends, speaks to just how fragile, just how thin their policy, the strength of the leftist policies and the leftist ideology is right now in our nation. They have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. They are so afraid of any criticism or any dissent, any detraction from their ideology that they need to shut us down. And the reason for that is because all of their policies, all leftist policies are trash when the truth is exposed. Um, and you you can even tell, this, this tweet in particular from this leftist on Twitter I laughed my head off at this tweet when I first saw it because I thought this encapsulates exactly how the left is arguing against Elon Musk. They can't actually tell us what they really believe or how they really feel here because if they did, what they would have to verbalize is they'd have to say, we don't think that you as a conservative should be allowed to say anything unless we as leftists pre-approve it as aligned with our leftist Marxist ideology. They can't come out and say that because the majority of our country would say, well, wait just a second. That's not exactly how the foundation of our country works. So this is what they've resorted to instead. This is a guy, I've never heard of this guy. I have no idea who he is, but his, handled, his handle on Twitter is Richard Hanania. And like I said, I have no idea who this guy is. This is what he tweeted. He goes, Elon Musk takes over Twitter. He's a billionaire who doesn't even have a master's degree. Is that who we are going to trust with the future of our democracy? And oh my gosh, this just slayed me when I first saw this. He's a billionaire who doesn't even have a master's degree. My friends, this is actually, this, this ridiculous tweet is actually the best argument among many, many, many good arguments about why master's degrees are, well, excuse my French, but mostly bullshit and generally useless. Of all the reasons not to want Elon Musk in charge of Twitter, it's because, oh, 
he doesn't have a master's degree. So today I want to talk about exactly why the left is responding the way that they are responding as if Donald Trump has just won the presidency. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. So Mother's Day is right around the corner, everyone, and our dear friends at Genucel have the perfect gift for all those special women in our lives. Right now, you can save up to 50% on all Genucel products across Genucel.com, including their brand new Ultra Retinol Cream. And during the limited time Mother's Day sale, every eligible order includes Genucel's immediate effects for results in as little as 12 hours absolutely free. This is the product that I talk to you about all the time. Their immediate effects too. It's a new and improved formula and it works in as little as 12 hours hours. Genucel's Ultra Retinol is powered by Genucel's proprietary MDL technology that combines the anti-aging effects of the meadow foam flower with the moisturizing effects of hyaluronic acid. Genucel promises that you will look 5, 10, even 15 years younger, guaranteed, or your money back. That's a pretty good deal. Make this Mother's Day one that she will always remember with this one-of-a-kind gift of beauty. Just go to genucel.com slash Liz now for up to 50% off world-class skincare. It's spelled G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Liz. All orders are automatically upgraded to free two-day shipping with a concierge white glove service if you go to my URL, genucel.com slash Liz. Okay, so why exactly is the left reacting the way that they're reacting to Elon Musk buying Twitter? Remember, this is not about a policy disagreement, just a single isolated policy disagreement in and of themselves. It's not about a single argument that they're afraid of. This is just all of our words. They're afraid of independent-mindedness. They're afraid of free thinking. They're afraid of, well, our tweets, which is, as you can see, this is making me smile. This, this cracks me up in a sense because for so long, Twitter has been used by the left to censor information that protects corrupt politicians, um, which we talk about this evil trifecta. And when, when, when corrupt politicians are acting corruptly, big tech censors the truth so that the voters don't know about it. And then big media swoops into that information vacuum and lies. Elon Musk is on the cusp. I hope and pray he's able to actually demolish this apparatus. And if so, the rest of it at some point should come tumbling down. Um, up until now, they've had a monopoly on these three. And if we can break that monopoly, um, if Elon, I should say, can break that monopoly and we can be the purveyors of truth, the reporters, those who are actually challenging corrupt politicians, our nation is going to take a turn in a different and better and more prosperous um, direction. And it's going to be amazing. That being said, let's read some of the freak out from the left. So this is the justice correspondent at The Nation. Um, he's also an MSNBC contributor, a frequent guest on MSNBC. His name is Ellie Mistal. Now, before we begin here, before I got on the show, I, I generally read my research. So when there's when there's a new name, meaning a name that I have just read and have not heard, I look it up for pronunciation, right? We all do that. We want to pronounce people's names correctly. And he, he's pronounced his name. He, he's told people how to pronounce his name before Ellie. That's That one's obvious. Um, his last name is Stahl. He's, you can think of it like the Champagne Crystal. And so now all I can think of when I see his name is this, this graduate of Harvard Law, who, by the way, has said before that he believes the U.S. Constitution is, quote, 
actually trash. Um, all I can picture him is, you know, he thinks of himself as this, this hoity-toity, elitist, intellectual, you know, casually shipping, sipping champagne with his pinky extended. He thinks of himself as the upper crust better than everyone else, Elie Mistal, um, when in actuality, he's, he's a racist. And what's worse than being a racist is he's actually advocating that his racism be institutionalized in our country. Listen to this, this Twitter thread, his, his absolute freak out over Elon Musk. This is what he writes. He said, to me, the principal danger in the new Twitter overlord is that an impulsive, bad faith actor with a history of racial animus now owns messages to and from black people that were intended to be private or quasi-private. Okay, so that's the first tweet. Let's stop there for a second. A bad faith actor. We have no evidence. Like I said, Elon Musk is not a conservative, so I'm not here to give him the benefit of the doubt. I have no idea how he's going to behave. He does have conflict of interests uh, in, with the Chinese Communist Party, for example. He is a donor to Democrat politicians, or at least he was in the past. Um, I, I have no reason to think that, or no reason to give him the benefit of the doubt in, in, in the generalized political sense, but to call him bad faith, there seems to be no, no, no substantiation from that, for that. In fact, because he bought Twitter, he's now going to be targeted by the US government for investigation. He is now going to be demonized by the media and by Hollywood and by the left, the Democratic left. He's, he's probably going to be the subject of, of an attempted assault on his character and cancel culture. This is this assault on his character, this, this history of racial animus. Like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is invented. So that, that insult is invested, invented. This, of course, is the tactic of these radical leftists. If you don't have a substantial argument to make against somebody, facts to back up your while your insults and your slander, then resort to calling someone a racist. That's what Ellie Mistal does here. Um, he also says that he now owns messages to and from black people that were intended to be private or quasi-private. He goes, I know a lot of people and journalists especially are like me and use DMs for sourcing for background conversations and for market testing opinions before taking them live. In the future, Elon will own all of that. Do you trust him to protect your privacy? So this is this is a rhetorical fallacy, right? This is this is inventing. This is building a straw man where you exaggerate, or in this case, just wholly invent a a problem or a crime in order to smear someone when there's absolutely no evidence that this crime ever has been committed or ever will be committed. So do you trust him to protect your privacy? Like, what do, what do you think he's going to do with those DMs? He's he's not going to just go into your DMs and and publish your DMs. People do that. To, to his communications, not, not vice versa. But uh, Ellie Massal then, of course, brings race into it. He said, if you're white, maybe you can trust him. Maybe you implicitly can. Maybe you are so secure in your whiteness and your, but the market would punish him expectations that you just assume that there's no way old Elon would sell you out when Roger Stone comes calling. I'd say you're wrong. But even if your whiteness protects you, it won't protect me or my sources. I have to assume that anything I DM or is DMs to me could now be leaked or hacked or whoopsied to Stone or Breitbart or Newsmax or Mediaite or any white wing actor or organization looking for it. Again, so what he's doing here is he's accusing Elon Musk of a serious breach of privacy. It, it would be extremely misguided um, and, and wrong. It would be morally wrong. It would be ethically wrong. It would, it would violate the agreement between the Twitter user and the Twitter organization, which would arguably at least be a civil lawsuit. Um, if Elon Musk were to hack people's individual DMs. This has never happened. He is, he is living in this false state of paranoia and trying to make this a racial issue. Why is he trying to make it a racial issue? 
Because this is what this is what the Marxist left does now. They understand that in order to tear down institutions that threaten them, whether this be governmental institutions like the Senate or the Electoral College or our monetary system or our criminal justice system, whether this is cultural institutions like the family and gender um, and the public school system, which I suppose crosses the line of a civil institution um, and a government institution, a cultural institution and a government institution, or whether it's actual private companies who are engaging or allowing their users now to engage in free speech. In order to take down these institutions, you have to pit one group of people against the other. Now, the original Marxist theory was you pit the workers against the ruling class, but that didn't work. Karl Marx's theory did not come to fruition. So what the Marxists have done is they've now decided to use race and gender as this second vanguard. Can we pit women against men? Can we pit gender spectrum against gender binary? Can we pit black people against white people? Can we pit the idea of racial um, identity being a reflection of your character, which is fundamentally false, versus this false idea that the United States is so institutionally racist that they're corrupt to their core and therefore should be delegitimized and ultimately illegitimate. This is what Eli Mistal or Ellie Mistal is, is doing. He's engaging in racialized Marxism. So then he says, put yourself in the mind of a racist. Imagine the worst thing he could do. Then imagine he'd do it because the black experience in America is simply that. The worst thing white folks can think of to do, they do, at least to some of us. And this, my friends, is just absolute racism. He is lumping together every person with white skin and accusing them of the worst type of crime, a hate crime based on racism, based on the color of someone else's skin. And he is saying that every white person has done or will do that type of crime to every person who has black skin based on their race. That's just racism. That's evil. That's an evil ideology. It's a divisive ideology. It's racialized Marxism, but it's also an individual, individual ideology. So then he finishes by saying, so I can more or less keep on the public side of Twitter, or at least my objections to the public side are simply about creating content for Elon's web. But the private side, what I actually use Twitter for, can't do that anymore. Elon is too untrustworthy. So my response to this is, okay, if you don't want to be on Twitter, don't be on Twitter. I mean, that's that's your call. You've never been the victim of this, this invented crime that you're committing. But what, what you're doing is you're trying to paint yourself as the victim when you are not a victim. You are allowed to engage in free speech. Nobody is retaliating against you using any kind of institution or any kind of legal arm. No one's retaliating against you for exercising your right to free speech, even as you accuse the owner of the platform that you're utilizing to, to spew this racism. That same person is not retaliating against you for using his platform for spewing this, this, this horrible racism. Um, so you're not the victim. You are allowed to engage in free speech and you are accusing others of, of crimes, whether it's Elon or whether it's white people in general. This is despicable, but this shows us exactly how desperate the left is, exactly how panicked. Like, think of the most panicked that you've ever been. Did you ever have one of those um, one of those nightmares? I remember having this, this nightmare way back, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was about to take the ACT, um, and which is the, obviously the equivalent of the SAT, but in the Midwest, we took the ACT back then. And I remember having this nightmare the night before uh, I took that test where I just couldn't get there in time for some reason. Like the car kept breaking down and my shower took longer than I thought. And it was just this like slow motion running, like missing the deadline, that kind of, and I woke up just in this like sweat in this panic. That's the kind of panic that leftists are feeling right now on Twitter. Again, 
just about the idea that you're going to be able to send a tweet saying what you want to say, just based on saying what you want to say. And there's no exception. There's, this is not just users. This is also um, Project Veritas gave us a peek into the all hands, the Twitter all hands meeting where they ask questions. Twitter employees ask questions of the executive board and of the outgoing CEO, Parag Agarwal. And it is, it is quite something. I like cozy earth sheets so much that they're on my bed at my house right now. So let me ask you a question. How do you sleep at night? If you answered this question, well, I didn't sleep so great or just okay or ugh, don't ask, then you are not alone. One out of three Americans reports being sleep deprived. And your sheets could be part of the problem here. That's why I like cozy earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute, freezing the next. The solution here, my friends, is cozy earth sheets. They are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which actually makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows cozy earth sheets to breathe. So, you're, so you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. If you're not completely in love, by the way, you can just send it back for a full refund, but you can now save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. 35%. Do you have to use my URL though? Go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. Hurry, this offer ends soon. The URL is CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Like I said, I have these on my bed. I love them. They're fabulous. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. So Project Veritas, um, incredible journalism. Can't wait for them to be restored. Elon, if you are listening, restore James O'Keefe's Twitter account, restore Project Veritas. They are some of the most important investigative journalism reports that we have seen in our country. And Twitter has systemically stifled them. And it, well, <laughs> given what they report, it, it makes sense why Twitter is threatened. How do the board and Mr. Musk plan on dealing with a mass exodus, considering the acquisition is by a person with questionable ethics? the question of attrition, um, you know, as Parag stated, you know, uh, one of the themes of today is continuity um, and ensuring that Parag and this leadership team continues to operate the business successfully on behalf of our users, on behalf of our customers. Um, and that has obviously been a big topic of discussion at the board. And as I mentioned, an area that uh, is important to Elon Musk as well, because of the importance of Twitter as a service. With no board in place, who will keep Elon accountable and how? Elon made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform, in a very difficult position. Twitter service, the role of our policies, and the capabilities we've built around content moderation are fundamental to keeping Twitter safe and growing. I believe that there is a lot of work we have to do to continue making that better. Sometimes that means more thoughtful moderation. Sometimes that means making things simpler. Sometimes that means changing product incentives to be able to solve problems through products sometimes instead of policies. During the last All Hands, you said that you trust Elon Musk. The correct quote was, we trust him. So who is we? And talking to Elon, what made you trust him? And based on the conversation I had with him uh, when we were excited to have him join our board, that was because as a major shareholder and an opinionated user, we wanted that voice in our boardroom so that we could learn. Is there an updated understanding on what free speech means? The question behind the question here, which is 
where might Twitter's product go? So that woman who was reading the questions did not invent the questions. Full disclosure here, she was reading the questions. She's the chief moderation officer. Her name's Leslie Berland. And she was reading the questions submitted by Twitter employees. So just, just FYI, I know there was, some, there was some debate over this online, but that's the fact of the matter. So she was asked about a mass exodus, this idea that Twitter employees are going to quit. And listen, that probably is going to happen. There are going to be leftists who work at Twitter who are going to leave. And if they, if they can't stand working for Twitter simply because Elon Musk is in charge of it and because it's embracing free speech, then... I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, go find a new job at a woke company. Uh, maybe Disney's hiring. <laughs> um, the, the, the significant thing, though, from this video is the question about the trust and safety uh, department at Twitter. The trust and safety department, this, this individual who works for Twitter said, is now in a difficult position based on how we deal with health. So this relates to all their censorship of COVID-19. And um, this is exactly what we want to happen. We want the trust and safety, the so-called trust and safety department, we want it to be abolished. We don't want there to be a trust and safety department because that is a, a, a an Orwellian euphemism for censoring censoring anything that the left doesn't want. They claim it's misinformation, but really it just counters what Fauci is telling you. Um, it's not really about health. It's, it's actually about politics. So um, I, for one, simply can't wait for Elon to just come in and smash that with a giant hammer. Cannot, cannot wait. The, the best question, though, is this one. Is there an updated understanding of what free speech means? So, no, there's not. There's not an updated understanding of what free speech means. Free speech means as long as you are a, within the boundaries of the U.S. Constitution or United States law regarding speech, then that's it. The idea of the First Amendment isn't to keep people safe, it, meaning it isn't to, not, I'm not talking about physically safe, I'm talking about their feelings. It isn't to keep people's feelings safe. It's not to make sure that their, their tender feelings aren't offended or that they don't hear something that they, they don't like or don't want to hear. No, no. The First Amendment codifies protection for free speech based on the idea that there are going to be people who say things that offend you who say things that might even hurt your feelings, who say things that you disagree with and you don't want to hear. That's the purpose of the First Amendment. If we all said things that people just agreed with, if there was no disagreement, we wouldn't have any need to codify protection for free speech. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a debate whatsoever. So no, there's not an updated understanding of what free speech means. Free speech is just free speech. It's a really good thing. But here's the thing. The reason that these leftists don't want free speech to reign on, on Twitter, they don't want the platform to embrace the mentality of free speech, is because they actually don't want us to discuss what's actually happening. And when I say what's actually happening, I'm not talking about the weather. I'm not talking about things that arbitrarily happen. I'm talking about things that the left is doing. Things that the left is doing on purpose. Things, policy agendas, and the tactics that they use to achieve those agendas that they're doing intentionally. So think about, for example, the Washington Post. We talked about this last week. The Washington Post um, and Taylor Lorenz, who is their, who is their technology up writer or whatever she calls herself, um, she writes about social media and her pieces are wildly dishonest and lack all journalistic ethics and are just full of lies. Um, she docks libs of TikTok. I, I did a whole speech on this the day that this happened at North Greenville University in South Carolina um, as a guest of the Young America's Foundation chapter at that school. We, we talked about exactly why, um, why the left is trying to cancel libs of TikTok, a wildly popular Twitter account, over a million followers who follow this account, libs of TikTok, as you all know, I mean, we talk about libs of TikTok, posts videos that, that leftists, usually groomer teachers, usually queer theory teachers, LBGTQ teachers, 
post on TikTok admitting what they do and what they tell children in their classrooms, really, really young children in their classrooms. So Libs of TikTok posts videos created by leftists, leftists' own words, um, so that parents and Americans and the American people, the American voters, aware of what's happening in the public school system. And Taylor Lorenz in the Washington Post doxed Libs of TikTok. They revealed her personal name, her, um, her personal address, uh, what she does for a living, um, what religion she is, although I have no idea what how that would possibly be relevant um, to this. And there's a reason that they doxed her. There's a reason that they that they engaged in this intimidation tactic because that's what it is. It's intimidation. It's not it's not journalism. It wasn't a good faith effort to report on something that was in the public interest. They knew that reporting her name would cause her physical danger and her family to be subject to threats. And that's exactly what happened. She had to go to a safe house and her family was subject. Anybody with her last name, she told, I, I mean, I, I talked to her that day and she said, listen, anybody with my last name is being subject to horrendous threats right now because of what Taylor Lorenz and the Washington Post did. And the reason the Washington Post did this is because they don't want us to be looking at what's happening in public schools. Luke Rosiak over at the Daily Wire, this, this is a report that's a perfect example of, of what I'm talking about. He reported on um, the school district in Santa Barbara, California, and um, a, a, a camp that they called Camp Diversity. It's essentially critical race theory indoctrination for children. But he reported that critical race theory activists in Santa Barbara were actively torturing children um, to convince the children that they're oppressed. This is what he writes. He goes, adults told Asian boys that they had small penises, ordered Hispanics to clean up and hit kids in the head, quote, so that they can feel how it is to be harassed. That, I mean, this is abusing children, physically abusing children, psychologically abusing children to groom them into, into swallowing the radical leftist ideology, which is either critical race theory itself or queer theory. This is what the Washington Post doesn't want us to talk about. And by the way, I don't I don't know if you guys saw this, but this was this was such a, this was this was such a baller move by Tim Poole. Uh, he bought a billboard in Times Square. Jeremy Boring from the Daily Wire pitched in for this. So Tim Poole and Jeremy Boring bought a billboard in Times Square calling out the Washington Post and Taylor Lorenz for doxing lives of TikTok. You, you can see this on the screen right now as I'm talking um, as I'm talking about it, so funny because the Washington Post is trying to deny this. Taylor Lorenz went on Brian Stelter's show on CNN and said, oh, I didn't, I didn't dox. I didn't do anything except report information that was already publicly available. Um, that's false. They originally had a link to her personal address in their article and after backlash, they removed it. So Taylor Lorenz and the Washington Post are lying. They're, they were just, they're, they're not sorry that they did it. They're just, I mean, I doubt they're even sorry they got caught, but they're trying to cover their tracks. But the reason that they, the reason that they did that the reason that they're trying to put this woman in danger is to stop her reporting because they don't want us to be talking about this. This, this is why they are so afraid of free speech on Twitter. Because when we discuss, when we report and consume and debate what the left is doing, what the left's agenda is, and how they are promulgating that agenda, the American people, regardless of their political affiliation, whether they're Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, they reject the radical leftist agenda. And so, yeah, it is an existential threat to the left's agenda for free speech to reign on Twitter because we will know, we will know what the left is doing and we will reject this. And it's, it's not just in schools. Unfortunately, children's libraries are also being infected by the same critical race theory, queer theory, uh, indoctrination and brainwashing. 
Now, I like Nutrafol because it is natural and I'm a very crunchy person. You know this. It also works. Now, we know that half of the people watching my show right now are balding men. Yes, you know who you are. No shame in it. But I'm here to tell you today there's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. It is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It is comprised of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. And by the way, I've heard that a common complaint about hair growth supplements is that they suppress or reduce sex drive. Not so with Nutrafol. Just, just a useful FYI. Not so with Nutrafol. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. So you too can grow thicker, healthier hair and simultaneously support our show, win-win, by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code LIZ to save $15 off your first month's subscription. It's their best offer anywhere. It's only available to US customers and for a limited time. Plus, you'll get free shipping on every order if you use my promo code. $15 off at Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LIZ. Nutrafol.com, promo code LIZ. Okay, so... The Library Association, the American Library Association, recently elected their next president. She's going to take office um, next July. Her name is Emily Drabinsky, and she is, believe it or not, a self-avowed Marxist lesbian. This is what she tweeted after her election. She goes, I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power is possible to build and can be wielded for a better world is the president-elect of the American Library Association. I'm so excited for what we will do together. Solidarity, she says. And my mom is so proud. I love you, mom. So a self-avowed Marxist lesbian is now in charge of the American Library Association. So what kind of power does the American Library Association wield? They are uh, in charge of the training for librarians across the country. They are very influential in the type of books that are stocked in the library. This, this makes me very sad because my childhood was spent, you know, going to the community pool and going to the library, which is just next door. And I feel like I won't be able to do that in the same way with Lady Baby as she grows up because it's compromised. The way the public school system is, libraries are also compromised. Children's books are being compromised. They're being infected with this radical leftist agenda. Like what? Well, let's look at the retweets of Emily Drabinsky, this, this new president of the American Library Association. She has retweeted her support of Drag Queen Story Hour for little children at public libraries. She has tweeted, retweeted support for LGBTQ books for small children in the public library system. And she has retweeted the Democratic Socialists of America, a kind of poisonous ideology that I would never, ever, ever let Lady Baby come anywhere near. She was also, and this is you know, enough, enough, uh, uh, an, enough reason to oppose Emily Drabinsky, but she was endorsed by Randy Weingarten. Teachers Union boss Randy Weingarten. Ew, no thank you. Anybody who's endorsed by Randy Weingarten is an automatic no from me, as if there aren't any other reasons. There are, however, there are. Drabinsky on her YouTube channel um, teaches librarians how to get around or subvert even um, standards in order to actually insert radical leftist ideology, including sexuality agendas, into, well, their work at the public library. This is taxpayer-funded taxpayer funded library systems. You are paying for this. And Drabinsky has actually taught other librarians how to work around the fact that it's publicly funded and instead insert radical, um, radical theories, including, by the way, queer theory. Yes, Emily Drabinsky, this is what she says about queer theory. Quote, 
Queer theory provides a useful theoretical frame for rethinking the stable, fixed categories and systems of naming that characterize library organization schemes and strategies for helping users navigate them. What is queer theory? Remember the episode on queer theory. The, the queer theory, the woman who wrote the founding thesis of queer theory, her name is Gail Rubin. She also is a lesbian, although she was into, you know, bondage and leather. Um, Gail Rubin, the founder, who wrote the founding document of queer theory, defended pedophilia. She defended child pornography. She defended the sexualization of children. She, 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 she advocated for the destruction of objective truth. She advocated for all the things that are being taught to children under the heading of the transgender ideology in public schools. You know, that gender is not a binary, it's a spectrum, and it has sex has nothing to do with gender, that nothing sexual is immoral as long as it's consensual, including pedophilia. That, that is queer theory. And the woman who is now in charge of the American Library Association, who trains librarians um, how to subvert their, their taxpayer-funded status to insert this radical sex theory into their libraries, their individual libraries and their book selections. This is, this, is, this is why the left is terrified of free speech on Twitter. This is why they don't want us to be able to talk about the transgender ideology. They don't want us to be able to say um, whether men can be women and women can be men. They don't want us to be able to say things that are objectively true. They want censorship. They need censorship. Because when it is a court of public opinion, when it is a, a digital town square, the radical left, their actions, their motivations, and their agenda are exposed. We expose them, we discuss them, and parents across the political spectrum. They can be Democrat, they can be leftist. They do not want their children indoctrinated with queer theory and the transgender ideology. And they, would, they do not want individuals like Emily Drabinsky in charge of the books that their children are, are checking out at the public library. This is why, this is why they're so afraid of what's happening on Twitter. This is why they're panicking. They're so desperate for the censorship because what happens? Their entire house of cards comes tumbling down if Elon Musk is actually, is actually successful. The same in Rhode Island. So Rhode Island has introduced what's essentially a penalty. I mean, they're calling it a tax but it's a penalty if you are not vaccinated against COVID-19. They actually, this, this, this bill that's been introduced in the Rhode Island State House would double the income tax for anybody who does not prove their vaccination status, which is, bam, mind-blowing. Mind-blowing control. This, this is abjectly unconstitutional, even at the state level. It's, it, you cannot financially penalize someone for refusing to take a certain, a certain medical procedure, especially under the guise of being income tax. You don't get to assign different people to different income tax brackets based on their medical choices. No. That, I mean, but they don't want you to talk about this. These same leftists, they don't want this to be discussed. They don't want this story to be known. They'd rather just try to slide this in, just sneak this past you. They won't be able to sneak it past you if we have free speech on Twitter. If when we discuss these things, it's not stifled or shadow banned or suspended or banned. If people aren't self, if conservatives aren't self-censoring, worrying about being subject to any of these penalties, this is why the left is, is so worried about, about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, because it's a fundamental part of their strategy to bring Marxism to the United States. A fundamental part of their strategy to do so requires the censorship of conservatives requires us to be stifled and to be silenced. And so when you when you zoom out and you look at this uh, kind of hilarious reaction from the left, this absolute freak out, this free speech freak out on Twitter, not about any specific topic, but just just in general, this 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 paranoia that I'm going to be able to say whatever I want on Twitter and they're not going to be able to stop me from doing so. This is the reason why. 
It makes perfect sense when you understand what their agenda is. So sit back, enjoy this, encourage it, um, take part in take part in free speech while you can, and pray that Elon Musk, pray that Elon Musk has the strength and the capacity and the principle to carry this out, to make this a reality, to save Twitter from itself, and to save our country from the monopoly of big tech, big government, and big media. Our Locals VIP of the week is CP Liz. CP Liz, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community. It is a delight to have you. Um, just so everyone knows, last week, as you remember, when I was on the road, we did a, a, a public episode of a Q&A where I answered all the questions that you submitted on Locals. This is something that we do on the Liz Wheeler Show community on a weekly basis. We do this every Friday. I invite you to join us if you haven't already. It is VIP only. VIP only, you have to be a VIP to submit a question. You have to be a VIP to watch this episode. But if you'd like to be a VIP, now is the time to do so. I have a promo code for you. Promo code ACCESS will get you one month free on your annual subscription. So go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Use promo code ACCESS, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Promo code ACCESS will get you one month free on that annual subscription. And then you too can take part in this this Q&A, this this hilarious, fun Q&A that is one of my favorite things that we do uh, every week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figueroa. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.